This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. It is Monday morning right here in the studio at MPB Think Radio. Carol? It's a beautiful day, a little crisp out there, but here we are in mid-January. So what do we expect? Well, I like crispy. Ah, nice and cool. Yeah, crispy and spicy. Oh, I see. So the weather today is crispy (laughs) and spicy. That's a beautiful thing. So we came to work this morning here at the studio and uh, discovered a, a gift awaiting us at the front. Malcolm. What a wonderful thing on a Monday morning to walk into the front desk and there is a gift bag for us and it is from one of our listeners, Estelle Mockby. And she kind of did a little walk down memory lane. Uh, She said that she started making vinegars in 1994 to use and give as Christmas gifts and it was because of my everyday gourmet herb sale which you know went on for a long long time and because of our dear departed friend ed nichols who was the herb grower and uh, she had one left over this year and thought we would enjoy it because you and i had mentioned on the show uh, a few weeks ago that we might try herbs and try our hand at infused vinegars this year that was in, on our New Year's resolution show. So that exactly. is just downright inspirational. And this is Thai basil infused rice wine vinegar. And it's uh, sort of a reddish pinkish. What color is that? That's a reddish pinkish. <laughs> <laughs> but it it you know, really uh, made me think about the early days of the Everyday Gourmet Herb Sale because, believe it or not, all you out there there was a time when you could not get fresh herbs here yeah and yeah it was when some of the new cookbooks were coming out you know alice waters was doing wonderful things in california and martha stewart and those early early days and we couldn't get the things the things that we were i'm very old that we're talking about so i found a lady in monroe louisiana who sold fresh herbs, and she would load them up in her very long car. And, you know, she'd have, like, boards across the car and, you know, to get as many herbs in as possible. Mm -hmm. And our herb sale was supposed to start at 8. And by 6 o'clock in the morning, there were people out in the parking lot beating each other over (laughs) the head, you know, trying to get the fresh basil. And, you know, it it was just – I mean – they friends became enemies Uh-oh. over fighting over herbs and those were they were the fighting days. over these soft or hard herbs? They were fighting over soft herbs <laughs> for sure. So does the, the the herb sale still go on? Is it still with well, us? Well, I I don't I don't know. We'll have okay. to find out cuz it was quite, you know, quite an event for about 20 something years and we uh, gave all the profits to gardening causes from my nail gardens to putting in a new garden mm-hmm. at new stage at the time. So it, it was a win-win community uh, free-for-all. 
<laughs> this is when uh, Everyday Gourmet was in Fondren in the little shopping. Yeah, it, the, but we still did it when we were when we moved out to County Line. Oh, did you? Well, yeah. I would say that if it's not happening, it's because so many people, so many herbs are available, are available now at, gar- now. Yep. at farmer markets, and yep. people are growing their own. So yeah. I, I'm, I would imagine uh, that trend. May have changed. But how kind of Estelle might be to be thinking of us. We appreciate her listening and engaging with us. And this is a fabulous gift, and we appreciate it. But uh, Liz Gill asked this morning when we were sharing with the crew here, Kevin Farrell is engineering today. Java's out. He'll be back next Monday. But Liz and uh, Kevin and, 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 and us, our team, were discussing. Are there places now to buy oil and vinegar? Are there oil and vinegar shops around, or where would one buy nice oils and vinegars besides, say, Whole Foods? Or uh, does the everyday everyday gourmet stock a, a nice selection? Absolutely, they do. And then there's that place down in Pass Christian. Yeah, the Pass Christian Olive Oil and Vinegar Store. It is a wonderful store. Uh, just great looking. It's on Davis Avenue and, you know, road trip is what yeah. I have to say. Isn't that the place where Tigre's, the restaurant Tigre's used to be? At, yes, About absolutely. two blocks off the beach. And, uh, then, and then locally, there's the J. Olive store right. in the township at, at Ridgeland. So, okay, there's you two. know, olive oils and vinegars make great gifts, but we're going to make our own. That's right. And if any of our listeners know of other oil and vinegar shops around the state or just uh, in the region or places you like to shop and buy, whether it's online or in person, uh, you can share that with us. Either give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or just simply shoot us an email to food at mpbonline.org and we will share it with our listeners. So what you been cooking? Well, let's see. Yesterday, Kara uh, made homemade pizzas. Uh, the grandkids were over, and I was watching football. Now, this is a food show. Uh, this is not a sports show. But, but what a game. Four of the greatest NFL games ever played occurred all this week, this past weekend. This will go down in history as one of the most remarkable uh, playoff weekends in the history of the NFL Period. Well, why not do a little sports with food? They, uh, to me, they go hand in hand. I mean, got to have Rotel dip, you know, chili on a Sunday afternoon. Which leads me to pizza. What did people eat over the football weekend? Were there informal tailgates? Did people have people over? Did people gather? Uh, what does one eat while watching uh, the NFL playoffs? In their home. Yes, call that number that Malcolm stumbled that number, over. That number, 1 877 672 7464. There you go. Well, what about you? What's been cooking uh, out in the country? Well, my best dish this week was a fresh redfish. Mm. And my brother, John Puckett, uh, brought some fresh redfish back from South Louisiana and um, I usually, because I cook so much fish, you know, I kind of uh, do it for a minute on each side and then finish off in the oven. Right. And I, I did one of Donald Link's recipes. I mean, it's really not a recipe, but I took the redfish fillets and wiped oil on the pan and mm. then oiled the fish 
and just put salt and pepper and a sprinkle of uh, of red pepper of red pepper flakes and it said heat your oven to 475 and cook it on the bottom rack for 20 minutes and i thought good lord you know this fish is going to be crispy yes. <laughs> it was absolutely delicious and and it, and you you know took olive oil like a quarter cup of olive oil chopped some garlic put in some parsley and then drizzled that over the fish and it was delicious, and it was not crispy from being in a hot oven okay. for 20 minutes. But I highly recommend. And we had a lot of activity uh, here because we weren't on the we weren't live last Monday. It was MLK weekend, so we were not here. Uh, so we were off a week. But there's been an awful lot of activity on our cooking and coping Facebook page, yeah. around, particularly around the incredible edible egg. I know, and and that's going to be a great thing to talk about this morning. I, I you know, eggs eggs were have been everywhere on that site for the past few weeks. But eggs ain't poultry, and chicken ain't grits ain't grits groceries. Ain't groceries. And, and Mona, Mona Lisa, Lisa was a man, <laughs> or something like that. So in the second segment, we're going to talk, talk about, about eggs. eggs. But uh, I know that you know Patrick Puckett, right? He's no yeah, kin to pain, me, the painter, artist, painter, yes. visual artist. Yes. And I believe he lives in Texas. Somewhere out in Texas, Somewhere yes. out in Texas. But he is a prolific poster, and <clears throat> he posted something great this week. He was, you know, thinking about what new cookbooks and just curious. And so he asked people to talk about cookbooks. He wanted to know, number one, their all-time favorite. Secondly, their most recent favorite. Mm. And then third, their most frequently used. And it generated a lot of discussion. Uh, did you by any chance catch that? I saw that. Uh, I did not sit down and make a list, but even though you told me I should. Uh, but, you know, the thing about cookbooks is, like you, I collect them. And uh, I-, I love reading them like novels. Uh, and it just sort of it's random with me i'll reach over there's we have rows and rows of cookbooks in the kitchen by the kitchen table and i'll just reach over there and grab one and start reading in fact uh, i looked at uh, one of the old creole cookbooks the new orleans creole cookbook from back at the turn of the century uh, over the weekend and i looked and talk about good yeah. Over the weekend as well. Junior League of Lafayette, I cannot give you the exact date, but maybe it was one of the first, mm-hmm. 50s or 60s. And one of the people on this list said she was on her third or fourth copy, but it is still in circulation. But um, one that we really need to check out, a lot of people mentioned one called Salt, Fat, Acid, and Heat by Samin Nosrat, and wow. I'll never remember that the, the name, but I've seen the title, but the title just didn't, you know, grab me. Mm-hmm. But it won uh, James Beard Award for Best Cookbook a couple of weeks ago, but it's learning to balance the elements of food on your own, the salt, fat, acid, and heat. And probably eight people mentioned that is their best cookbook, and there is a television series on Netflix, oh. so that's right. I have seen that. I have not watched it, but I did see that. I am, I am headed to Lemuria today and going to watch the Netflix show. But it, it's, it talks about using your own senses, and you already do this. I mean, you just look at the pot and think what would be good and start <laughs> start putting things in. Uh, but uh, 
I'm looking forward to it. Sometimes I just look in the refrigerator and, and see say, what's, what's available. <laughs> yeah. And then a Mosquito Supper Club. Mm, they, that's a great one. Yeah. that And that was one of my favorites, too. Right. Um, all right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about eggs and egg dishes and all the chatter uh, this past two weeks on Cooking and Coping Facebook page about eggs and the comfort food, the protein, the beauty, and the joy of adding an egg to most anything. We'll talk about that. Well, also, if you're interested, we can you can share with us your favorite cookbooks, uh, and all of that can happen simply by dialing one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can just email us to food at mpbonline.org. Carol and I are going to take a break. We're going to come back. In the third segment, uh, we will have Stafford Sheridan. But uh, in the next um, segment, we'll talk to our listeners as well as chat about eggs. Deep South Dining will be right back. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett. So glad you're tuned in this morning. We are happy to have you join us here. And Carol, we have had an awful lot of um, interaction on our cooking and coping Facebook page over the last two weeks about the versatile, healthy, and amazing, what I like to call incredible edible Edible egg. egg. Because that's part of the campaign many years ago for old people like me. Yeah, and a great campaign it was, and obviously very memorable. I can't get it off my mind. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But before we talk about eggs, let's talk about cookies. You know, we have a cookie tradition here at MPB. Yes, we do. And I was just so happy uh, Kevin Farrell is with us this morning, and he is the baker of the Monday Morning Cookies. Right. And welcome, and thank you for producing us this morning. And and tell us about your your cookie habit. (laughs) Well, um, you know, I like cookies, um, but every time I would see a recipe, it was usually three, four dozen cookies and that sort of thing. And I know that uh, if, if anyone has ever seen me, they know that I probably shouldn't eat a lot of cookies. Uh, but I kind of stumbled upon this as a way of uh, being able to sample some of the cookies but bringing them into work so that I don't end up eating them all. And I think I shared a story on air once before, too, was that um, the author uh, – there's an author of some mystery books that I used to read, and the main character owned uh, a cookie bakery, and the books themselves contained recipes – uh, that were contained in the story. So that kind of got me interested in all that. And, you know, the other thing I like about cookies when you're g- entertaining or whatever for guests is they're, they're single serving sizes. You know, I love pie, but I, I hesitate to bring pies to a, a gathering simply because it's difficult to get the pie out of the shell and that sort of thing. But and because cookie. my pies never get to the gathering. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the cookie, like I say, is a single-serving thing, so that's helpful. This recipe I got a friend of mine sent me. It was originally from uh, the New York Times, and I was uh, telling Malcolm this morning, 
it called for 15 cookies, and I thought, well, that's not enough for the you know for the group. So I doubled the recipe, and I ended up with about 50 cookies. So I'm not sure whether my scoop is that much smaller or what. But uh, <laughs> we got cookies for days. <laughs> the more the merrier. And plus, I like oatmeal cookies. So if if my coworkers don't eat them all up, I will take them home, and, and they will definitely find a happy home. Oh, wow. They're going pretty quickly, though, I must yeah, say. Yeah, they I've are. I'm so glad that, that we got one this morning. Yeah. But thank you so much. So, Carol, uh, you've done a good bit of digging about and sharing around the topic of, of eggs. I love eggs. Uh, I typically cook eggs either on Saturday or Sunday morning. During the week, I'm always scurrying around. I'm basically a coffee and cereal guy. But on the weekends, I like to slow down and, and make uh, breakfast brunch items i particularly as you know love making the french omelet and uh whatever's in the refrigerator ends up in the french omelet and uh, sometimes i have great bacon that yes. my friends give me and sometimes sausages sometimes lots of vegetables and you know i was talking with joe sherman uh the other day uh, friday at Hallam mounds he came in for lunch and he was we were talking about this uh, plant-based foods and he wanted to know more and more about that, and we were talking about, you know, vegetarians and, and vegans and, you know, different alternative foods. I guess eggs, well, not plant-based, but eggs would be a good protein substitute for someone who's not particularly interested in a slab of meat. Yeah, except vegans don't eat eggs. But no eggs. It's a lot of, lot of vegetarian things. But, Malcolm, I know you and I do love a theme. Mm. And, and a condiment. And a condiment. But, you know, it just started dawning on me as I was reading this week. I was reading so many different things and looking at cooking and coping. And I went, oh, my gosh, everybody on here is doing some kind of egg. And there were just some beautiful dishes. Uh, you know, Leanne Galt did something gorgeous. Yeah. and uh Bob Yarbrough did it. Julian Brunt. Yeah, he just, it was just what people were mm-hmm. eating. Right. Just there happened were, to be. Right. There were a lot of beautiful poached eggs. There were frittatas. There were um, soft scrambled. You know, just people showing what mm-hmm. they're eating in their daily lives. And it led me back to my Deep South dining file. Well, you know, when I read things in the newspaper, I put it in there. Right. and found an article from the New York Times that talked about the comfort of eggs mm. in a time of stress. And if we ever needed them, we need well, them now. Yeah, and yeah, the premise was is that one of the things the pandemic has revealed is what we really want to eat when there's no one around to impress. Mm. And the answer, this writer posits, is eggs. And, um, you know, since there was there's been well, now there is. But at first, no, you know, fine dining. You want the uh, foods that make you feel special and feel good. And nothing does it quicker, cheaper and better than an egg. Right. And, you know, there is a I'm going to call this a trend and it may not always be a trend, but there's currently a trend in restaurants of adding an egg to everything. Now, on top of everything, right. I am I am not taken by this trend, but I see it a lot. They add eggs to burgers. They add eggs to salads. They put an egg on top of, uh, uh, you know, every kind beans and rice. But it's a thing. And I was just curious. How do you feel about this egg added to everything theme? Well, I, 
I think that, you know, one one of the things is that it, it makes things look great. I mean, it's a great presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not particularly fond of it, but it did catch my eye on cooking and coping that some people were putting them on top of like skillets full of wonderful things. Right. Like, it looked beautiful. Ca- yeah, casserole. And that really appealed to me to have something. It was like eggs on top of like jambalaya type, type dishes. Right. That looked like the flavors would go together. I just I don't particularly want an egg with my salad. Now, what about egg as a standalone protein, as an entree? There, and there's so many ways to prepare an egg. Poached, grilled, fried scrambled <clears throat> i'll tell you something i hate is when I, when I try to eat scrambled eggs in a restaurant and they don't know how to cook them and that is that they scramble them all throughout the cooking process and th- they come out like gravel once you <clears throat> beat the egg and put it over the heat you should leave it alone as much as possible for it to be fluffy and to me and and to have continuity i do not like my eggs you know, scrambled into a million directions and 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 not be bound you think together. You like to have them gently, <laughs> gently pushed, pushed toward about. the middle, Correct. toward the middle of the pan. Yes. You know, Malcolm, I think that eggs are a very personal? individual, individual and personal thing because some of the eggs that I've been looking at or I have cooked before, like a French scramble, hmm. which takes 30 minutes. I've seen Jacques Pepin scramble. He, he over-scrambles his eggs yeah, now, they, for uh, me. Yeah, some of them do it in a double boiler, but they're little, they look more like cottage cheese. Don't and, tell Jacques I said that. Yeah, and these are not the eggs that, that you would... Uh, I'm hoping some of our correspondents from around the state will call in and talk about their scramble. But, okay, so that was one thing I read about about the pandemic and the wonderful egg. And egg salad has become mm. hot, hot, hot again. Restaurants, can't touch it. Yeah, I can't touch it. But the other thing was about poached eggs. Mm-hmm. Someone wrote a beautiful story about a food photographer who is no longer uh, on this planet who served breakfast to the crew before they had a photo shoot. He would always serve breakfast. And the way he poached eggs was he first took the eggs, so you have your water boiling. He took the eggs and put them in the water in the shell for about 20 seconds. And that supposedly, you know, firms up the yolk so when you crack the egg and drop it in the boiling water hmm. it would stay together more and i had never heard that before no I, all i've ever done is gone straight into the water it, yeah n- nor has this had this other food writer who wrote the article but i've been trying it for the past couple of weeks and it works it works um the other thing this this article pointed out is a lot of people poach in a skillet mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's what you do or a lower pan I've always thought I had to have like a deep saucepan with you know this roiling water and it said that you know a lower pan really yeah. works better and the egg doesn't need does you know, not to need be to swimming be in six feet of water it does not <laughs> in six feet of water well, you know, when I lived and worked in New Orleans, we served a lot of brunch and breakfast at the hotel, the Bourbon Orleans, where I worked. And I used to have to get up 
three days a week and the cook would be late or not wouldn't come in and i'd have to cook these poached eggs um, but we would have a giant vat of boiling water dropping these eggs in just constantly uh, and then you know having to fish them out and top them with hollandaise and such but we've come a long way since the 1970s well you know back to the 1970s i mean one one of the things you know i learned too like restaurants like what you're talking about you know people are scared of doing eggs benedict for a party because they think you have to just do two or three eggs at a time when really you can poach all of your eggs you can you know, leave them in a shallow pan of water, and then when you're ready to serve, you just run them back through the boiling water. Just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, take a spoon, take the egg, and run it through to heat it. Still you know, reheat. to heat it again, uh-huh. and it's, yeah, you know, really works well. Would one microwave uh, an egg, Carol? I think that yeah, people do microwave and they do microwave poached eggs. Mm-hmm. I, however, have not read about that because I was not interested. Not to interested know that. in the technology. All right, we've got a caller on the line. Uh, Kathleen from Osaka has a comment about a cookbook that she found in the 1970s. Uh, the, the book I picked up is perfect for everything y'all talking about today. Uh, I when I first got married in '71. I bought two cook, well, three cookbooks. I got the River Roads, I got the Good house, Housekeeping one, and I got this one, Recipes and Reminiscing of New Orleans. And it's put out by the Earthline Nuns, and it was Club Book of the Month in 1978. And I got this recipe. I've never heard anybody call it in. It's called Persimmon Pudding. Oh, boy. And uh, it's short. It sounds easy. I've tried it once. It came out okay. I wasn't great with it, but I, it doesn't mean that it, was, it wasn't me. It was probably me. But uh, when it comes to eggs, I have a lot of omelets because I cannot. I start scrambling the eggs or doing a post or over easy, and boom, before you know it, it's an omelet, like it or not. The <laughs> <laughs> accidental omelet. <laughs> I, I fail at that kind of finesse. I don't know why. I have this paranoia about the, the eggs. But uh, this is basically a cup and a half of persimmon pulp, one cup of sugar, two eggs, half a cup of sour milk, half a teaspoon of soda, one cup flour, one quarter cup melted butter. And then it says pecans or other toppings. I bet you could put shredded coconut pecans or whatever, raisins or whatever. But it was really um, easy. Just uh, cook a half an hour, 350, and it can be served warm or cold, and put whipped cream on it if you want or not. But that was the first recipe I ever found with, uh, I've never seen one before, and I have... Probably 500 cookbooks. <laughs> wow. Well, I must say I've never seen or heard of a recipe that um, used persimmons and eggs. Carol, what about you? I have not, but I will bet you it was like those sweet Japanese persimmons because mm. some of the persimmons that we have around here are pucker. <laughs> They're a little bit on the sour side. Yeah. Well, Kathleen, we always appreciate you. 
uh, listening and calling in. You always have very interesting perspectives to share with us. Kevin, I understand you have an egg tradition at the Mississippi State Fair. I do indeed. I get uh, Every time I go to the State Fair, I make it a point to get my picture taken in the uh, egg chair. Oh, there you go. <laughs> How many of those do you have? Uh, I think I have like uh, eight or nine. Wow. So, yeah, so tell us about the egg chair. Is that the state egg board? Yes, yeah, it's the state egg board, and it's uh, sort of it, it, it gives off 70 vibes to me. So it's an egg-shaped chair. Uh, that's kind of recessed, and you, you know, kind of sit there, and they give you your picture for free. So I, you know, did it one year, and then he went back the next year. I always liked going in the the trademark because I like looking at the cars. But I thought, you know, once I did it a couple of years, when you get a tradition going, you yeah. got to keep going. Yeah, and that's on. a that's a good one. So it's kind of like a throne, an egg throne. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have the one and only. Um, Sure. Who are we going to have? We're going to have Stafford. Stafford. Hey, Stafford. So sorry about that. Stafford's going to join us. He is up in the Mississippi Delta at Drew, Mississippi. And he's going to tell us about his uh, uh, his, his uh, blogging about uh, service station food as well as a new adventure. He's taken two new adventures, Carol. He's gone down to Key West and blogged all about eating his way to Key West and back. And he's done a boudin tour to Louisiana. So... He will join us after. And the, we've been wanting to check in with him for a while. We knew he was up to something. Stafford's always up to yeah, something. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll talk to him, and we'll take your calls if you're interested. Meanwhile, Carol and I will be right back, right here on Deep South Dining, MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Back to Deep South Dining, Carol Puckett, Malcolm White. We are glad you are tuned in this morning. Before we get Stafford on the phone, who's going to give us a uh, report on his world, we're going to go to Eupora because we have Rachel on the phone, and she wants to tell us the very best way to peel an egg. No, no. I want to ask the best way to peel an oh, egg. Oh, you don't want to share. You want to okay. ask a question. I, don't, I could share my way, but it wouldn't be... Uh, very uh, a very successful way. So you're struggling. I'm tearing them up. I'm struggling. Well, you know I this. Run it under cold water and peel it off, but it comes off in little pieces and breaks away the white of the egg. Uh, I'm I struggle with it. Yes, Rachel. I think you're not alone. No, welcome and I'm to the hoping, club. And I'm hoping. I'm hoping that that we'll have some. You know, great tips coming in over the line. But one reason eggs don't peel smoothly, it has to do with the freshness of the egg. Correct. And fresh eggs are more difficult to peel. They are. Uh I am blessed that I get fresh eggs from time to time. And they are delicious, but they are a booger bear to peel. peel. And. You know, some uh, some people add a teaspoon of baking soda to the water hmm. or a teaspoon of vinegar, I've heard which of vinegar. is uh-huh. what, is what uh-huh. I do, and that seems to help. Uh, some people poke the bottom of the egg with a needle 
just you know a tiny uh-huh. poke before cooking, and that is supposed to help. I've never tried that. Seems like it would. It just ooze seems, out, yeah. But. It seems there would there would be some oozing going on, but but it's certainly uh, a common problem. Yeah, I would yeah, say yeah, that, yeah. Rachel. Uh, you're not alone. Sometimes, you know, you get a you get a whole carton of eggs, and if you're cooking the whole carton, you know, half of them would be hard to peel, and the other half will be easy. And I guess, it, it, Carol, I think the freshness is the deal, but you never really know. You don't. You don't know. Uh, you said that you ran them under cold water. Ice yeah. water is really a better way to do it. Yeah. If you just you know, take a bowl, put some ice cubes and water in it, you know, that shock of the, uh, of the ice water helps, uh-huh. too. We will do more research on this, and we appreciate you uh, listening to our show and calling in. And, and I so- love your show. Well, thank you. You have somewhat stumped us, but we will regain our uh, equilibrium, and we will come back with uh, more on peeling the eggs. Well, right now, we're going to welcome to the show Stafford Sheridan. He is up in Drew, Mississippi, and this man has always got fascinating things to share. Good morning, Stafford. Man, it's been a long time. Good morning to you guys as well. Too long. I loved it that Malcolm introduced you as the Delta Bureau Chief. There you go. So please put that on your resume. <laughs> I need to do that for real. So bring us up to date. You've been moving around. You've been to Key West. You've been down to Boudin Country. Tell us what's happening. Well, you know, I, as we're talking about eggs today, I thought somebody made a great recommendation on a thread last night about Boudin and doing a, a Boudin uh omelet and i said you know that's a great idea i bet boudin would be great in an omelet mm. we we went all down into south louisiana lafayette Appaloosa, U- eunice or eunice i always say it wrong i think it's you know, eunice that, at least that's the way i've always heard it i think that's what they say and and um you need a translator down there but <laughs> that that was such a great trip and i spent about a week down there just going around and nothing but gas stations and eating boudin and you know Everybody, every gas station has their own. It's kind of crazy, and everybody down there knows how to cook. And you stop anywhere, and the food's good. I don't think it matters. Now, how many episodes did you record on this Budan Trail that you went on? So I went, ended up with about four episodes, but one of the episodes is a longer form. I've not done anything like that before, and it was more like a twenty thirty minute episode that had about four or five places just in that one episode. So share with our listeners who might not know, they've been living under a rock for the last uh, three or four years, exactly what you do. You do the gas station thing, but you, you blog and you post these short films, right? Yeah, they're, they're typically a little review that I do is typically anywhere from three to seven minutes, just depending on what all is going around. I, and I, I go all over the South and I've been all the way down to San Antonio, and of course, as you mentioned, I just got back from Key West the other day, took a father-daughter trip down to Key West. We stopped in Miami and ate a bunch of Cuban food at gas stations, and and uh, just, you know, it's one of those crazy things, how great the gas station food is in the South, and we started documenting that as we drove around and ate it, and it kind of became a big deal. Not, a, not too big a deal, but a lot bigger than I ever thought it would I be. I think it's a big deal. Stafford, it really amazes me how how many followers you have, and people from all over the world are reading your gas station reviews. It's kind of funny. Um, I know you know you can go look at the on Facebook, especially and YouTube too. You can look at your uh, kind of your audience, and we have people from Australia and a couple from Europe and things like. It's kind of weird, 
It's, and I don't know how these people find it, but they find it. And, and tell our listeners who might not know how to find your stuff, man. The easiest thing, like literally just go to Google and type in Stafford Sheridan, and it's probably the first thing that's going to come up. S-T-A-F-F. Yes, S-T-A-F-F-O-R-D-S-H-U-R-D-E-N. And whether you're on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook or how you find stuff, if you Google it, you'll find me. Gotcha. And so you say you also, uh, besides the Louisiana Boudin trip, you went down to Key West. And now, is this always in a service station, or do you go into, like, cafes and uh, food trucks and other, or is it just service stations? So the videos are pretty much just service stations. I may go in a restaurant and post from that restaurant, but the, the, the review show is always service stations. I guess that's kind of become my unique deal, so we'd stick with that. But, uh, you know, it's funny because I have a lot of people that follow me in Florida. And I said, look, I'm going to be going to Key West. What's good? And everybody pretty much said Bucky. <laughs> so yeah. I've done the Bucky thing. It's not my thing, really. I like the mom-and-pop style places. But you start hitting, you know, kind of that east coast of Florida, south of, um, of, of Orlando, and it's so much Cuban food in every gas station pretty oh, much. Oh, man. Food. Cuban wow. bakery or Cuban cafeteria or something in the empanadas and the bakeries. And we had a flan cheesecake. Mm. Please. Cheesecake you got the whole studio moaning. <laughs> right. It was so good. So it, we had some good stuff down there. There are some. And other thing you see when you start getting around Miami is a big thing is the <laughs> chef that maybe doesn't want to work under another chef will work in a gas station for a while, get a big following, and then go open a restaurant. Now that is hard to catch. That is creative and entrepreneurial. It is. In there, if they're good, it's hard to catch because they don't stay there long. Right. Yeah. Some guy will come in and say, "Hey, let's open a restaurant together or something like that." So one of them we were looking for from the time I found it to the time I got out there, they were already moved on and were building a restaurant. So it's it's a cool, it's a different food scene. It's not fried chicken, but then we get to Key West and what do we end up with? Fried chicken. Do you see any tamales down in the Miami area? I did not. It was it was uh, mostly things that I thought were tamales that were not tamales. Oh, okay. They had a thing called croquettes that were pretty oh, yeah. good, and um, they they're shaped like a tamale, but they're fried. And then, of course, the empanadas. My daughter was like all the way. We were eating empanadas. That's all she wanted to talk about. Wow. Hey. Stafford, I know that you'll appreciate this. It looks like we have a caller who is also on the road, as you like to be, and his name is Jerry. He's on the road and wants to tell us about the best way to peel eggs. Absolutely. Hey there, Jerry. Hey, how y'all doing this morning? We're doing great. Uh, thank thank you for holding on, and we want to know where oh, you're yeah. going and how, how are you going to get there? Well, I, sadly, I'm headed down to Biloxi for a friend's mother's funeral, but uh, I was listening. And uh, the best way to peel an egg to me is tied to the best way to, to cook an egg, and that is by steaming it, not hard boiling it in water. Uh, okay, do tell. Steam the well, egg. I getting, yeah, I was getting some fresh eggs, and I Googled all kinds. I was just tearing them to bits. Uh, my kids love eggs, and... They might have perished from malnutrition if it weren't for the egg. <laughs> so I was just trying to figure out. I was uh, for a while had a resource for some real fresh eggs, 
and uh, I was just butchering them, peeling them. And I saw, I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw something about steaming them. So you just, you know, put a colander over a pot of water yeah. and uh, put a lid on it. I, Google the time because I'm terrible about that. I think I okay. bring it up to a boil for a, a rolling bowl for a couple minutes and then turn it down maybe three minutes and then turn them off and let them sit for about eight or ten. But like I said, double check that. But 90% of the eggs I peel, I tap them. And I pull one half of the shell off and then pull the other half off. Wow. That's great. That sounds like a great thing to try. I've never heard about it want to do it. All right, Jerry, thanks a lot. Keep on trucking. We have another uh, person on the phone who wants to talk about peeling an egg. We've got Ann over in West Tennessee. Hey, Ann. Morning. Good morning. (laughs) Tell us about it. How do you do this? What's your your trick? I would love to take the credit, but it's Southern Living Magazine, their cooking school page. Um, I found it in April of 2021, and it says, Make Easy to Peel Eggs. And I was a doubting Thomas, but it works. There's uh, four steps. Four steps. And I, I can, I can uh, text this page if you guys want or email it, but... Um, it says you bring a large saucepan with enough water to cover eggs to a rolling boil. Step two, you use a large spoon to gently lower the cold eggs into boiling water. Reduce heat to medium. You cover and boil 13 minutes. Step three, remove from boiling water and transfer to an ice bath. Let stand 10 minutes. And the last step is step four. You just crack the eggs and peel under cold running water. Well, I just peel them right there, you know, by the ice bath. And it doesn't matter if I just got the eggs from the store or from a neighbor or whatever. It just works. And it's um, so leave it to Southern Living. And then they've got a whole on that page. They've got. The devil's in the details about making great deviled egg recipes mm. and everything. So um, if y'all want, I can. That would be great. Email yeah, email it to us. Send it okay, to food at mpbonline.org. And but, Ann, Yeah, Malcolm, you. we've heard, learned some great new things today that we never heard before. And Stafford, do you ever see deviled eggs or stuffed eggs in these service stations? You know, I did a service station on Poplar in Memphis one time, and they had sushi and deviled eggs. Wow. And the sushi, by the way, was really, really good. There was a guy literally in the service station making the sushi in front of you. The deviled eggs were okay, but the sushi was really good. That's That's the only deviled eggs I've seen. And, you know, funny story, my mom and I had this discussion about deviled eggs the other day, and she says they're stuffed eggs, they're not deviled eggs. Stuffed eggs. Yeah, well, I, I go back and forth between stuffed and deviled. I've well, never heard that. I'm, I don't know where she. My, I hope she's listening because I have no idea where she came. Well, up with they that. they call it that more up in the north, um, or stuffed eggs. That was actually in that New York Times article I wrote in the South. We call them deviled eggs. Yeah, I love a good deviled, good deviled egg. egg. I think growing up I, we I used deviled, and then I heard stuffed later. So, how do you make yours? So, you know, we had a chef one time, and his favorite thing to do was stuffed eggs. And mm-hmm. so I let other people make them. That's my favorite thing to make them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm with you. He did them a lot with pepper jelly 
Ooh, underneath yeah. the stuffing, and then on top, candied bacon. And My that goodness. was pretty good. My goodness. I'm more traditionalist, you know, with mayonnaise and a little pickle relish. And sometimes a little capers, olives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little cayenne. Yeah. A million ways to go. A million ways to go. I like capers. I've never had a really bad one, you know? No, the only thing, the only time I think they're not good is when you can't taste the egg itself. It's just too much other. I love egg and olive salad, too, with Mm. just like a cousin. Just spread that on some bread and, and you can, that's so good. I love egg and olive. And you were saying, Carol, that, that egg and olive is, is really a trend right now. That it's, yeah, it it's, is. It's on a roll. Yeah, egg salad, egg and olive salads. Um, it, it, you know, the, the basics that you know, people are really enjoying. Yeah. So, Sheridan, you, you were telling me that you are planning some sort of a celebration, Mardi Gras celebration. So I, I've got to tell the whole story, I guess, if I've got enough time. But years ago... A good friend and I were talking about Mardi Gras, and he had this. His name was Tom Davis. He had this idea. He said, we should just, well, Drew's not big enough to have a Mardi Gras parade. We should just do a lawnmower parade. Unfortunately, he passed away not long after that. And I've had that on my mind for many years, and I said, you know what? We're going to do it this year. We're just going to do a lawnmower Mardi Gras parade. And so February the 25th, and Drew, we're going to have a lawnmower Mardi Gras parade six o'clock and everybody's invited to spree we're gonna have free music in the park afterwards and then the crew of drew is gonna have their ball at my restaurant <laughs> afterwards, and so we're gonna have a lot of fun well i would assume that uh, archie manning will be the grand marshal well you know I, I hadn't talked to archie about this and instead i would love for the deep south dining crew to be our, be our grand marshal oh boy are you, you serious and a heart attack Oh my gosh! So it would be Carol. I have always wanted to be a grand marshal. It would be Carol, Java, and Malcolm as grand marshals. Oh my goodness! Carol, if you might suspect now, uh, Malcolm and I have been plotting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, y'all pulled one over on me, Uh, Stafford. uh, Do we have to bring our own lawnmowers? (laughs) I think that we can hook you up with something. Mine won't make it that far. Well, somebody said they were putting a push mower in it. That'd be good. Which would be, oh, push, that would be great. That's, that's what I thought we were. Kind of stuff we want. That's what I thought we were going to bring, Malcolm. A push mower. A push mower. Um, oh, well, I guess you could take a weed eater too. Yeah, are there, are there fashion involved? I mean, do we need to be planning an outfit? I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, there's okay. no question. Outfits, it would be a great idea. I'm definitely going to have one on. <laughs> and uh, we we also, like, in in the theme of lawnmowers, ATVs, golf carts, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Wagons, so, strollers. Yeah, well, just not uh, not like big trucks. and, and the, It's mm-hmm. not going to be a normal parade. And we're just going to go from uh, Drew High over to Main Street and just have a party. Gosh, I accept. Uh, yeah, I'm in. We just got to get get Java get, get on board. Get Java on board. He can he can be doing some DJ work on on our float or whatever. Actually, we're on. that would Absolutely. be a great idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, you might also want to invite um, not to be a grand marshal. That's our job. Uh, <laughs> Trademark. Lee, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Leanne Galt. I'm sure that you see Leanne's favorite. I do. We know each other. Okay, her post on cooking and coping. But she posted a story this week about being a little girl in Indianola 
and her parents both worked on Saturday, so she took the riding lawnmower and loaded up a number of her sisters to drive the lawnmower to downtown Indianola <laughs> to get a tuna melt sandwich. There you go. So my daughter used to drive the four-wheeler to wait tables at my restaurant in Drew <laughs> when she was in the sixth grade. This is true. Wow. Well, we've got yet another uh, egg-peeling caller on the phone. Uh, TJ from Kosciuszko has some wisdom to share about peeling eggs. Hey, TJ. Hey, yeah, my wife had figured out how the easiest way to peel eggs. Bring it on. Yeah, she's got laying hands, so she break. You know, she gathers the eggs and come in there and she gets to peel them. Yeah. <laughs> she gets, gets the rest of them to peel them. Yeah, that, we, she tells us to peel them and we peel them, and it's pretty easy for her. That's a smart woman. Uh, yeah, I have to ask Mr. Sherman. I grew up in Greenville, Mississippi. And when I was a kid, I would get on my sweet bicycle and ride about three and eat at Sherman's Grocery. And Charles Sherman was just a tadpole then. And uh, the next day, I would turn left and, and ride about a block and eat down at Favor Brothers Grocery. And then the next day, I would turn back the other way toward Sherman's and go up and eat at the Venetian Cafe and take their garbage out. And I, I figured out pretty quick how to eat at a good place <laughs> as a kid. Well, that would probably be a question for Joe Sherman, who is often on the show. But today it's Stafford Sherdon, S-H-U-R-D-E. Oh, Sherdon. I thought he won him sure. Yeah, it's close. It's close. I'll accept them. But we'll we'll be having one of them Shermans on the Yeah, we'll have on one the of the Lebanese Shermans on here. On here uh, pretty soon. soon. Yeah. Did he uh ask him if he found blood boudin in uh Louisiana? You got him I right there. Offshore for years. You know, yeah. Did you did I you saw find it did in you one eat? place? I didn't eat any but I saw it in one place. But they had and you know then if you were in Louisiana, they every kind of boudin you wanted in every place you went. It was kinda of wild the selection. I always liked Don's. That was always my favorite. But blood boudin was like, it was against the law for him to make it and sell it. So it was like going on a drug deal, trying to find it. Stop has blood boudin. Yeah, and I, I eat it offshore because the boys would bring it up, you know, for our two-week hitch, and they would have some blood boudin. But if you tried to buy it, you might be yeah you might be under the jail but um i love donald link the great chef in new orleans from down there tells tells that people drive you know how you have your cup holders in your car your pickup truck he said people put their little cup of boudin you go by the uh you know the gas stations get your boudin put them in your cup holder and ride the roads all right tj thanks a lot for calling And Stafford, it's always great to hear from you. And the answer is yes. We will be in Drew on the 25th of February as a United Grand Marshal outfit. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We're funded by generous contributions from folks just like you. Today our show was engineered by Kevin Farrell. For my co-host, Carol Puckett, and our special guest, Stafford Sheridan, I'm Malcolm White. We ask you to please stay tuned now. For now, you're talking with Mr. Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We thank Liz Gill for manning, or in this case, womaning the phones. Join us every Monday right here for more Deep South Dining, heard only on MPB Think Radio.